Brother Urshan, we love you. Come take your liberty. Put your hands together and welcome from Durham, North Carolina, Pastor Nathaniel Urshan. hands into the Lord and give him praise today. Can we do that all over this house? Let's let's just magnify him. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Doesn't it feel good in the house of the Lord this morning? Hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel an unction in the Holy Ghost. And it's probably one of the few places, No Limits is one of the few places where you can come together at 1030 in the morning and have a shout down. Hey, glory to God. Anybody just feel a little victory in this house today? Anybody feel like we can put the devil on the run out of here and walk out with the high hand? the song, with the praise. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. And what a time we have had. Such a great dispensing of the word of the Lord. I was telling Brother Williams this morning, I think that God is moving his church past just coming up with a good message. But I think God is moving us into a living word. A living word. A, a combination of logos and rhema that is not just structural, but it's, it's relevant right now. Amen. And you can hear something you've heard before, but you desperately need to hear it right now. The circumstances of your life, the context of your life, God's looking for a right now word and a church that is ready to move when he moves and is ready to go when he says go and is ready to stop when he says stop and turn left or turn right and follow the cloud of the Holy Ghost. I want to be part of that church. Amen. Amen. I want to give honor this morning to to Pastor and Sister Young and their precious family and the great work that they have done, all the work and labor that has gone into this conference. And Bishop and Sister Wilson, they have been very influential in my life, that of my family. And Jackie and Joseph and Ben's can't be here, but they are here in spirit. Amen. And all of the great No Limits saints, the workers, the people who put this all together, and those that come and support this conference. This conference has edified many people. You have been blessed by it. I have been blessed by it. Amen. So I'm excited. I'm excited to be a part of what God's doing. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you open them to the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 1, while you're turning there, I have been so blessed this this far in this conference. Brother Bradley Smith followed the Holy Ghost on Wednesday night. He preached his burden. He preached his heart. And if you didn't feel that, your feeler's broken. Your antennae are broken. And it set the tone. And Brother Young Thursday morning, Brother Caleb Adams, and then Brother Young last night. God is telling his church, get up and do something. Amen. Rise up, transcend, take dominion. That is a theme that is resonating thus far, and I could feel God quickening me and touching my heart while they were preaching. And I want to just try to follow that same vein of the Holy Ghost. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 17. And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. 
Also he bade them teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. The beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ascalon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Ye mountains of Geboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed with oil. And from the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. Ye daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet, with other delights, who put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel. How are the mighty fallen? In the midst of the battle, O Jonathan, thou wast slain in thine high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How are the mighty fallen, the weapons of war perished. And I want to grab a hold of this. I want to talk about a lot of things this morning. I pray that you stick with me. I pray that I can wrap my hands around what God has laid on my heart. But we are living in a very pivotal moment in time. And it has never been more pressing for the church to be the church. Amen. It's time to be the church to rise up in all of the splendor and glory that God has ordained we walk in. And every message this week has been pushing this idea. And so today I want to take a few moments and deal with things that we're facing, deal with things that are coming down the road. I want to preach to you on how the mighty are fallen. How the mighty are fallen. Look at the person next to you. Tell them it's time to stand up. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. <laughs> I think at the outset this morning, I want to, I want to talk about something that caught my attention in this portion of scripture. It is amazing to me that here in Saul's death, David does not gloat. David does not say to himself, finally that old reprobate is out of the way. But he laments, he weeps for Saul. And a, a glimpse into what he was feeling was that God's anointed, God's called man has fallen. He has fallen. And this is not a time for petty scores to be settled. This is not a time for people to lower themselves to the lowest common denominator and try to finally even the score. But it's time to transcend all that stuff. And it's time to mourn over somebody that fell short of what should have been. There should have been a lot more that Saul accomplished. There should have been a lot more Jonathan should not have died this early, but following a leader who, who stopped praying and following a political environment that became toxic, David lamented. David wept over it. That should be the right 
response when, when people go through adversity. I don't want anybody falling short of heaven. I want to take everybody to heaven with me. I want you to go to heaven with me. I want my enemies to go to heaven with me. I want my neighbors to go to heaven with me. I'm not trying to kill anybody. I'm trying to save somebody. I'm trying to pull somebody out of the fire. And today I want to say that there's greater battles to be fought than personal battles. God's got a big church. And it's not limited to one group. But it is the body of Christ baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, living holy before God. David lamented. What amazes me is he, he says of Saul, he says of Jonathan, he says that they were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. That caught my attention. That, that grabbed my, my thoughts one morning early as God began to impress on my heart. Because if we're going to be leaders in this day, it's important that we do it according to heaven's mandate. Leaders cannot be carnal. Leaders will fail in heaven's calling if they don't grab a hold of heaven's blueprints. And I'm going to take my time here this morning because what David doesn't say strikes me as interesting. Let me take David and let me put him on a shelf for a second. Let me, let me go to Revelation 4. And in Revelation 4, there's a beautiful scene. There's a scene of four and 20 elders. There's a scene of seven lamps, a beautiful heavenly vision. And in that heavenly vision, the Bible says that there were four creatures, four creatures. And it says of those creatures, I mean, these are fantastic beings, and who they are has been the subject of great debate and, and wondering and surmising. I think I know who they are. I think I have a, a, a little insight into who they are. I feel... I feel like there's something to be gleaned about those creatures. Those creatures are different than the creatures that come out later in Revelation. It's a different word used to describe them in, in Greek. The, the, words, the word for beast and creature that is later used, that word lends itself to the idea of chaos. It lends itself to the idea of godlessness. There would be beasts that would come up out of the sea, beasts that would come up and, and, and would wreak havoc and, and would, would bring all manner of dysfunction and chaos. And Revelation takes pains to talk about those beasts. And I will say this, we're watching, we're watching the beasts at work in our world today. Somebody told me one time, they said, it was an atheist, he said, you know, Reverend, he said, I can't believe, I can't believe what the church teaches because I don't think that man was made for monogamy. I think that we evolved and I think we were actually made to procreate everywhere. And so marriage is an old-fashioned idea. Being married to one person is an old-fashioned idea. And um, basically, we're all just animals, is what he said. And I said, you know, I'm going to cut that in half. I'm going to slice that up. I said, because I disagree with about 75% of what you just said. But there is a little element in there I agree with. I do believe that we are animals without God. If you are made in the image of God, but you are not connected to God, there is something bestial that you will wrestle with. There is something animal-like. There is something that, that is not in touch with the higher nature of the things of God. Amen. And you've got to crucify that old flesh. You've got to walk in the Spirit. Amen. You've got to get a hold of God on a daily basis. 
Hallelujah. And if you do that, marriage is no problem at all. Amen. You can be faithful. You can overcome. You, you can walk holy before God. You can be a son of God and a daughter of God. And you don't have to lower yourself to the bestial, but you can reach to the divine mandate that heaven called us to. And a man can be faithful and a woman can be faithful and children can be raised and there can be dominion established on earth. Praise God. You don't have to be part of those beasts and the bestial nature of nations that forgot God. But the beasts here in Revelation 4 are better termed creatures. There were creatures, four of them. And they had crowns. And they stood before that throne. And they worship the one who sat on that throne. The Bible describes them. It says that, that they had the face of a lion. And they had, they had the face, one was likened to an eagle. And one was likened to a calf or an ox. And the other was that of a man. That's amazing to me because it's a picture of God's creation. Each one of them is the king of their domain. Each one of them is the Lord of their environment. One typifies strength, the lion, he's the king of his particular area. And one is the king of the air, and that's the eagle. The other is the king of the field and of agriculture. And the other is the king over all of those, and that is man. And this is a picture of God's creative work glorifying him in all of its glory. God wants us to be what we are called to be. God wants us to fulfill the great calling that he has placed upon us. And if there's nothing else you get from No Limits, you need to get this here today, that I'm going to be everything he ordained that I be. I'm going to have the strength that he wants me to have. I'm going to have the vision and the swiftness that he wants me to have. I'm going to have the sacrifice and the strength to pull a plow. And I'm going to bring increase to those that are around me. And I'm going to be the man of God that he's called me to be to lead my family and to lead my home and to lead my church and to have revival in the day that I'm living in. We have got to be the created order that gives glory to the one that sits upon the throne. Amen. Amen. We're supposed to operate in those four facets. We're supposed to be the church, not just act like the church, not just put on like we're the church, not to come together and have patty cake church, but to be the church, to be it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and all day Sunday. It's got to be the church. Amen. I want to be the church on the job. I want to be the church in my neighborhood. I want to be the church in my community. Saul had some of the traits. Stronger than lions. Saul, Saul understood strength. David well, you sure that's what it's talking about? I believe so. I believe David saw things in heavenly places. I believe it. I, I, I believe that when he said, when I consider the heavens and the works of thy hands, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, he saw some things in the nighttime, Brother Adams. He got some revelation. He saw things. I know he saw things. Your Bible says in Acts chapter 2 about David, it said, he foresaw the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, I saw the Lord always before me, and he is at my right hand that I should not be moved. My flesh shall rest in hope. He said, my heart would rejoice and my tongue would be glad 
Amen. I see him. He saw the day when we would speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance because that scripture was given in Acts 2 in response to men and brethren. What meaneth this? What is, what is this all about? My heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. David was saying there's going to be a day when God pours out his Spirit. It's going to be a resurrection outpouring Holy Ghost fire and it's going to He's not going to leave my soul in hell. And he's not going to suffer thy holy one to see corruption. And David foresaw it. David saw some stuff. And when he saw Saul and Jonathan, he said, I saw the lion and I saw the eagle. But there's some stuff I didn't see. There's some stuff that needs to be there if you're going to be the dominion-oriented church that God has called you to be. And if you don't have that well-rounded dynamic, then mighty people fall. He understood strength. We've got to have a church that understands strength. We've got to have a church that understands the king the lion. We need men to be men. We need women to be women. That's never been more important than the day we're living in right now. I know that we used to say that and yeah, people say, yeah, well, okay, well, yeah, of course we do. But no, but we need to know that more than ever right now. We need men to know what a man is. And for women to know what a woman is, we need people that know how to walk in authority and walk in power. We need some Deborahs that can rise up and can bring victory to Israel when the barracks take a back seat and are too afraid to walk out on the battlefield. We need some JLs that know how to grab a hold of Sisera and drive a nail through his head to bring victory to the people of God. We need some women that know how to pin some stuff down and know how to know how to stop the enemy in his tracks and say, I'm a handmaiden of God. I am I am one called of God. We need the lion's strength and power. We need the Davids that know how to run the Goliaths down. We need to know how to put the Philistines to flight. I thank God for the lions that have paved the way for us. I thank God for the men and the women that brought us to this point. Amen. The kind of men that can walk out onto a battlefield and face a giant. There's, there's been giants that have been faced that brought no limits to fruition. This doesn't just happen, but people understood strength. <laughs> I was talking to a man who backslid. He was a backslid preacher. And he said, he said, he actually told my brother this who told me, and he said, I, I was there in New York City at your great-grandfather's church. And he said, he was a man of God. And, he, and Joel said, yeah, he was. He said, yeah, he was. Uh, he said, I remember one day there was a man who was angry that his wife had received the Holy Ghost. And he told Brother Urshan, he said, if you don't stop, brainwashing my wife I'll kill you and her it was many many years ago times of great violence they were in the Big Apple it was New York and that woman kept on coming to church and she made up her mind there's no backslid husband gonna stop me from worshiping God and glorifying God and it takes strength to establish dominion in a family and she came to church, and that particular Sunday, he followed her. She did not see him. He followed her from a ways back. He wanted to see where she was going to go. He was pretty sure he knew. And strapped to the side of his leg was a long knife. He carried a knife and an overcoat. And that preacher said, he said, I knew the man. I knew the man. And he said, he told me the story later. She came into the 
The church, great-grandpa was there. It was a very narrow building. It was a very humble environment. But he was bold as a lion. And he was preaching. He was worshiping. They were having church. And she walked in. She walked to her accustomed seat. She lifted her hands. She joined in with the worship. And that jealous husband came in behind her. Very quietly, he just moved into a few seats behind her. I don't know how he did it, but Grandpa somehow saw the knife and put two and two together and knew what he was going to do. Maybe the Holy Ghost showed him. I don't know. But at one point in the service, when she had her hands raised, that man slipped up behind his wife and he pulled the knife out over his head. And great-grandpa saw it and ran over in front of the woman and looked at the man, stood between him and said, in Jesus' name, pow! <laughs> Knocked the man unconscious. I'm telling you, we got to have men. We've got to have women that aren't afraid, that aren't intimidated, that are saying, I don't want to do it, but if i got to do it, I'll do it. And we'll do it in... Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Man, I, we got to have people that will praise like men, that will worship like women, that will preach like a man of God, that will have a move of the Holy Ghost. I'm not afraid of the compromiser. I'm not afraid of the hypocrite. I'm not afraid of the political maneuvering. There's got to be a lion authority in the church. I'll go where Christ wasn't preached. I'll face the devils in that city. That's part of God's creation. They're going to be like a lion. Saul understood strength. The Bible says that he was swifter than an eagle. He had that second trait of that heavenly blueprint. He had so much of the puzzle. He understood the eagle. He understood, let me say it this way, he understood spiritual dynamics. Saul understood the winged creatures. He understood the way of the spirit that could dart here and could dart there. He understood the eyesight and the vision needed to see. They say of eagles that they can see Astonishing distance. Saul could see. Saul could see David's rise. Saul saw what was coming. Saul was fast. Saul was quick. Saul understood the need for speed. He could fight when he was in tune with the Holy Ghost, but you get strength and you get sight out of alignment with heaven and you've got a monster that will kill the wrong people and will exalt the wrong people. You'll have politics. You'll have manipulation rather than leadership. You'll have people leading the kingdom that shouldn't be leading the kingdom. You'll have people, the kingdom will suffer because, because some people have elements of the kingdom out of alignment. When vision is not in tune with all of the aspects of, of godly leadership, vision distorts. You'll think that there's people going through your trash when it's mylar balloons flapping in the wind. <laughs> you won't see things right. You'll hear the songs of the handmaidens that Saul has slain his thousands. And David has slain his ten thousands. And a man that understands strength and a man that understands and can see that will seethe with rage as he says to himself, they give, ascribe thousands to me, but to David they describe ten thousands. What's left but the kingdom? 
And there's a, competitive, a competitiveness and there's a, there's a desire for self to reign. There's, a, there's an exaltation of self and a hubris and an, and an ego that has no place in the kingdom of God. Why, I, I'm not in competition with my brother. When I hear a good report of my brother, I'm not going to sit there and say, well, that wasn't me and they think they're so big. And I'm not going to look at that and, and, and try to find some way to build myself up and tear my brother down. This is not about me. This is not about you. This is about the King of Kings. And this is about the Lord of Lords. And Saul, you got to get down off of your high horse. Vision can't help you there. Strength can't help you there. There's an element to this that you're missing. And that's how the mighty fall. Why can't you look at it through the eyes of the Holy Ghost? Why can't you look at it through the eyes of the Spirit that tells you that if one could put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight? Those girls weren't singing a competitive song to put one down and bring another one up, but they were saying, if Saul could do that, imagine what Saul and David together could do. Imagine what unity would bring in the church if we had revival together and we prayed together and we believed God together and we let God have his way. Imagine if this group didn't fight that group. There's a kingship and there's an authority. How good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. In unity, I think that there's a message to the church here in the last day that says we need to be the church and we need to be that together. But you're a part of them, and you're a part of them. Who cares? Are you baptized in Jesus' name? Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Are you separate from the world? Then let's have revival. Let's work together. Let's do this thing together. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. All by myself in the dark, jealously. Envy now together. You're looking at it wrong, Saul. Your vision skewed, Saul. You're chasing David when you should be chasing Philistines. What are you doing trying to kill your brother when the devil's encroaching on your borders? And if you ever start trying to kill a brother rather than kill devils, then you're out of order. Don't gossip about your brother. Teach a home Bible study. Tear the devil's kingdom up. Pull somebody out of the fire. Let me say it like this. When I find out somebody's gossiping against me, I don't say, oh yeah, well let me tell you about them. That's not what this is. This is not me and them. This is the Lord's battle. And so the proper response to when someone gossips against you is to go teach a Bible study. That's the right response. Oh, you're going to come at me like that, devil? Well, I'm going to come at you like this. The more you talk bad about me, the more I'm going to pull somebody out of the fire. The more I'm going to, I know where to hit you where it hurts. I know what you want. I know you want me to give up. I know you want me to throw in the towel. But I'm going to baptize somebody in the name of Jesus. I'm going to pray through somebody to the Holy Ghost. Because if it's not in alignment, then the mighty fall. And they fall short of heaven's mandate. You can be seated and you can take it easy on that organ, brother, because I ain't nowhere near done. Saul didn't have was the calf. He never said anything about the king of that domain. David looked up into heavenly places and he saw the lion and he saw the eagle, but he, he never said anything about 
the other. There is a, there is a sacrifice that must be. There is a burden that must be. If you are going to be what God has ordained you to be, that element of kingship has to be in place. All the vision in the world won't help you if you're not about your father's business. We have too many people telling everybody how to do it and not doing it. Hallelujah. If there's one thing that's resonating in this conference this week is get up and do something. Stop talking about it. Stop wondering about it. Stop just reading about it. How many books are you going to read? I mean, read books. I hope you read books, but let there be a performance of that which you are reading. Well, I can't get anything going because I can't get them to do what I say. Stop saying it and do it. Go and do it. Be about your father's business. Those young men will follow you if you will put your feet in motion. If you will put your hand. There's got to be an ox that knows how to lean into the harness and knows how to pull the plow. There's got to be some. You can sit in your throne room, Saul, and you can talk about Goliath. You can analyze Goliath. You can know everything about Goliath. But if you never fight Goliath, Goliath never falls. And God will raise up a David that will go. God, will ra God is raising up young men and young women that are full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says that he went out and he fought Goliath. My, my, my. Can I take my time this morning? One of the most fascinating features to me about the calf, the ox, is the fact that it's a ruminant. I love that. Part of being clean in that Levitical world was that it could ruminate. It has four stomachs. And it knows how to take in things and it knows how to break things down. And then it'll bring them back up again. And it'll break it down further, and then it'll swallow again, and then it'll bring it back up again. And there's this ruminating dynamic. <laughs> I, think, I think that that's it's the difference between the clean and the unclean in the Bible. The Bible describes the difference between the two. We need a church that knows the difference between the two. We need, we need people that linger long in the Word of God. And if you take the time to find out the voice of your shepherd, you will begin to do what he says you'll begin to put into action what it is you're reading. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law doth he meditate. There's the rumination as you break it down, as you metabolize it, as it becomes part of who you are, as it becomes part of your daily life. This should get into your children. This should get into your grandchildren. The Word of God should, should be treasured and loved. In this law doth he meditate day and night. Hallelujah. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, and sinners shall not stand in the congregation of the righteous, because the Lord knows. He knows the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the ungodly shall perish. There's a ruminating, contemplative, weighing church that says, I want to be like the book of Acts. I want to have dominion. That, that, that Bible says I can have it. I'm going to have it in Jesus' name. I want a book of Acts church. I, I will not settle for dead church. I will not settle for going through the motions. But I'm going to become the full-orbed, full-fledged 
church of the living God. Dominion in my city, dominion in my home, dominion. Our world needs that church. I think we need to take the time to ruminate on the things of God. I think we need to take the time to meditate upon them. I, I just see, I see things David says as he goes through this process of becoming that king, that great king, that typified king that would precede Jesus Christ. That out of his line and his lineage, there would come a savior named Jesus. We're supposed to be part of that household of David. When I ruminate on this, when I, when I turn this over, I enjoyed that so much. Bishop Young, what you said yesterday. I sat there while he preached, and I didn't just hear him. I felt Bishop Young as he broke down the word of God. He made me want to go home and have revival. He was bringing stuff up. He was breaking it down ever finer and ever finer. The hand of God, the love of God, the word of God. And I can feel it. I can feel that metabolizing into my spirit. I could feel things as Brother Adams preached. I, I, I could see uh, Gath. I could see David standing over Goliath. You know, when Goliath fell, I believe, I believe, the Bible says that he fell. He fell. He fell forward. And, 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 and I've always seen that. But I, I believe that he actually stumbled and kind of pinwheeled, and I believe he did that. I believe there was more drama to it. And, and the reason why is not just because I have a vivid imagination, but I read what he said later when he said that the Lord is my light and he's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He's the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid when the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came against me to eat up my flesh? And I can hear Goliath saying, I'll feed you to the birds of the air. I'll feed you to the beasts of the field. The Bible says he stumbled and fell. You got to pull that stuff back up and you got to chew on it a little while and you got to break it down. And I can see Goliath. I can see Goliath. I can see, and I can see David saying, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping in to what God called me to be. If backslidden soul can't do it, I'm going to do it by the grace of God. They stumbled and they fell. No one host should encamp against me. In this will I be confident. And if Saul won't pull the plow, David leans into the harness and he pulls Israel into victory and dominion. And if you don't have a burden for that, and if you don't have a revelation of that, you're going to fall, sir. You're going to fall, ma'am. I hope this is okay. I'm sick of politicians dictating the direction of the kingdom of God. We need a vision-driven church. We need a strength-driven church. And we need a harvest-driven church. And if you'll get all of them together, then the man of God emerges, the fourth element. Can I ruminate on some stuff this morning? It's the difference between the clean and the unclean. The Bible says of ruminants, by this you'll know whether they're clean or they're unclean. If, if they chew the cud, but they don't divide the hoof, they are unclean. There are people who can talk it, but they can't walk it. They can... They can sit with you and drink a beer and talk about deep things, smoke a little weed. I don't know about this God stuff. It seems to me. And they'll ruminate, but they won't walk it. They are unclean to you. 
I don't care how many years they spent in prison and how much hard knocks they know. I don't care. Anybody. It's unclean. And then there's people. And these were the most unclean. They were the unclean of the unclean. On, on the one, the camel could chew the cud, but he didn't divide the hoof. And the coney could chew the cud and couldn't divide the hoof. They were unclean. But then there's others that are the, the worst of the worst. And they don't chew the cud. There's no interior dialogue. There's no interior reflection. There's no breaking down anything. But they do divide the hoof. They walk it, but they don't live it. Those are the pigs. Those are the people that walk among you. And they look like they're walking it. But what they're watching on their computer screen at home... They're chewing on things that are unclean. They're chewing on things and they're bringing things up and they're talking about things and, and they're, they're dwelling on things and you think they're walking right. You think that they're living it daily. They know how to divide the hoof and they wear their tie and they comb their hair and they can, sometimes they can get up in a pulpit and they can say it and you think they're great but there's something on the inside that is unclean. God needs a church that can chew on the right stuff and can walk the right way. God needs somebody that walks it and talks it. He needs somebody that's going to be the same on Monday as they are on Sunday. He, my, my, I feel the Holy Ghost. If you're going to... If you don't walk like that, you're going to fall. If you don't have a revelation of the ox and the calf, you're going to fall. We don't need any more hypocrites falling in the public eye. We don't need any more people caught in compromising situations because they thought they could walk it and didn't have to break it down. I want my wife to know that I'm a man of God. I don't need a wife that sees me in the pulpit and says, if you only knew him at home. You're telling those people something that you're not even teaching your own kids. That's what the pig does. You can be seated. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. I feel like there's some people that need to step into a kingly dominion. Men that need to be men, women that need to be women, children that love the house of God because it's a safe place and mom and dad are living it at home. They're bringing things up at the dinner table. They're, they're pulling things back up. They delight in the law of the Lord. And in that law, they meditate. I, what you said resonated so much by the Adams. I can see David standing over fallen Goliath. When I see David gather five stones, five smooth stones, you've heard it said that he was waiting on Goliath's brothers. You've heard that? I believe that. I believe David saw things. He wasn't going to kill them that day, though. They were going to kill him later. And, and, and God names them. There's, there's, a, there's, there's giants that you're going to kill on your way to becoming what God has called you to be. And you need to pull that up and ruminate on that lest you fall before your time. God will take you through a giant killing spree in your life. And if you'll overcome, there's a throne. There's an anointing that Samuel put on him. There's a power that says I'm stepping into the kingship that God always told me I was supposed to have. But before I ever get to that throne room, I'm going to have to face Goliath. And they would say in Hebrew, they would call him Goliath. The Hebrew word galut. You've ever heard somebody called a big galut? The roots of that are found in Goliath. 
And Goliath means exile. He was Goliath of Gath. Gath means press, literally wine press. And Goliath, God's going to press you to see what's in you. God's going to break you and pulverize you and break down everything that you are. Hallelujah. I want to preach to somebody that's here and you're wrestling with bitterness because somebody did you wrong. Somebody said you, something wrong to you. Something, somebody did something wrong. You had to make hard decisions in your life. It starts out when you step out from your family and friends. It starts out when you leave the country that you are familiar with. There is an exile that is part of the initial giant killing process. And you're going to have to go through that exile. You'll be exiled from the stuff you know. You'll be exiled from the old life. You'll be exiled from friends and neighbors that you always thought you knew and if you keep following truth it will exile you from everything that's not of God and God will find out what's in you when he presses you we'll see whether you're praying or not if you're not praying you will not make it if you don't find your strength and solace in the word of God you will not make it if you live on social media and you live on current events and if you live by the seat of your pants, you're not going to make it. The mighty fall. There's a lot of dead before Goliath of Gath. I'm just ruminating this morning at no limits. I'm just pulling some stuff up to help somebody in this house. If you make it past Goliath, you're going to run into his relative, Ishbibinab. Ishbibinab was another giant. Bible names him that they killed. Literally, it means the high places of Nob. I have been to the high places of Nob, Ishbibinab. That sounds like a funny name. It is a funny name, and you probably need to, you need to ruminate on Nob for a little bit. To get a revelation of Nob. It's there that David meets Doeg. It's there that he's betrayed in the house of the Lord. It's there that Saul chases him and winds up killing men of God over him. It's there that an evil and satanic narrative is superimposed on the truth. And it looks like the wrong word is winning. If you've ever been falsely accused, if you've ever gone through difficulties inside the kingdom of God, then you have been to Ishbibinab. If you've ever been betrayed by somebody, if you've ever been talked about by somebody that you thought was your friend, if you've ever had a leader fall in your life and you hooked your wagon to them, if you are hooked to Saul and Saul's hypocrisy kills you, then the giant of Ishbibinab will take you down. And you got to make up in your mind, you know what? I got to go up to Nob and I got to get Goliath's old sword. I got to go back to an old battle that I fought, and the God that delivered me from Goliath will deliver me from Ishbibinab. I'm going up to Nob and I'm going to live for God. I don't care what anybody else does. I don't care who talks about me. I don't care who lies about me. I don't care who comes against me. I'm not backsliding. I'm not leaving God. I don't care what they said. I'm an apostolic. You can't offend me out of the church. You you can't betray me out of the church. You can't gossip me out of the church. I, I've been to the high places of Nob and I fought that giant. Well, they hurt me, so now I got a backslide. They hurt me. I got to go grow a goatee and I got to go smoke a cigar. They hurt me. I got to put on pants and cut my hair and start wearing. Ishbibinab will prove what's in your heart. I didn't come to backslide. I don't care what men do and what men say. I don't do this for them. 
Well, the church is like that, and if that's the church, then I'm going to do whatever I want. You need to grow up because there's a lot of dead bodies in the valley of Ishbibinab that have left and have compromised and have used pain to justify a worldly lifestyle. Come on, look at that giant and say, I got a second stone for you, Bubba. You're not taking me down. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. God's got a throne. God's got an anointing. Because there was a second giant on the horizon. I'm just pulling some stuff up in the stomachs of meditation and rumination. But the Bible names them. And are you going to let yourself die in that valley? Are you going to let yourself be offended out of the church? Are you going to let somebody's failure become your failure? I'm talking to somebody right now. I'm talking to a young man that somebody failed you and you're sitting there with your arms folded. You're sitting there with your arms crossed. Your mother's worried sick about you and your dad has said everything he knows how to say in the name of Jesus. You need to overcome that giant right now in Jesus' name and say, I'm an apostolic boy. I am an apostolic son of God and God is rounding me. He's rounding me into the lion and the eagle and the ox. And I'll be his man. Ah, I don't want to see another young lady backslide. Because I don't want to see another person fall. Because that's how the mighty fall. They don't understand the ox. They don't understand sacrifice. They don't understand dying on an altar every day. You can be seated. I have a little bit more. There was a third giant. His name was Saf. The giant of Saf. Saf meant threshold. There's going to be thresholds. There's going to be places where one part ends and another part begins. And you've got to make up in your mind, I am going to cross into everything God has ordained that I walk in. There's thresholds that have been placed. I could feel it. While Brother Adams preached, while, while Brother Smith preached, while Brother Young, Bishop Young, and Pastor Young, as they preached, I could feel thresholds in the Holy Ghost. And I made up in my mind, I'm not going to stop at that threshold. I am not going to stay in stagnation. I'm not going to stay in the past. I'm not going to let the past and the pain define me. I'm not going to let Michael's sarcasm and mockery define me. But there's a threshold that I'm going to cross in the Holy Ghost. I am not going to let Doeg's treachery. I am not going to let it define me. I'm not going to live on what happened 20 years ago. And 20 years later, I'm stuck in the same rut. And I can't have revival because of what somebody did to me. No, sir. No, ma'am. You walk across those thresholds in Jesus' name. You walk into the dominion and the power. I know they hurt you. Get over it and have revival. I know they stole from you, but get over it. Step through. Because there's a giant named Threshold ready to kill you. If I had the time, I'd, I'd talk to you about Lachmi. He was the fourth one. Lachmi. It means warrior. It also means eater. And if you're going to overcome, you're going to turn into a warrior. You're going to step into the full-orbed power and dominion of taking dominion in your life. Why do you think the devil fights you so hard when you're so young in the Lord? If he can offend you when you're a babe, you'll never become the warrior that will topple him later on. 
And so Pharaoh wants to kill every baby boy because he knows that's a generation of warriors. Herod wants to kill every baby boy because that's a generation of warriors. If the devil can offend you out of the church in the first couple months or years of your life, then he's done his job. But I need somebody to rise up and stay long enough to enter into the strength and the power. Eyes that are not afraid. Hands. The Lord is my light. He is great. He teacheth my hands to war. He teaches my hands to pull the bow and to hold the spear. He's petrified you're going to become a Bible study teacher. He's petrified you're going to become a preacher of the Word of God. He's petrified you're going to become a pillar in the house of God. And if he can kill you and the giant, but the giant Lachmi, he takes the time to name them. He takes the time to identify the ones you will face. And I can talk about Goliath, and I can, I can talk about all that, but it's the last one that really gets me. God never named him. But he too is from Gath. God will always be pressing you. And before you think that doesn't matter, why do you think that Jesus was in Gethsemane? Because he was being pressed. He was being pressed. What was in him was going to come out. What he'd been doing in private was going to be made public. Nobody wants to go to Gath and be pressed. That's what it means, all of press. And the six-fingered and six-toed giant of Gath. The Bible never gives his name because he's different for every one of you. It's whatever he is to you. He'll be a backslidden relative that speaks to your weakness. He'll be education that sows secularism into your life and makes you curse the God that you should be worshiping. It'll be false doctrine that slithers up next to you with damnable heresy and doctrines of devils. It'll, it, whatever, whatever your giant is that is nameless, He'll kill you if, if you let him. But there's got to be a David spirit that rises up on the inside of you that says there's a throne room waiting on me. There's a, there's a dominion waiting on me. I'm ready to have revival in my city. I'm ready to overcome where others failed. There's a lot of people that tried to build a church and they fell apart. There's a lot of mighty that are fallen. They understood the eagle. They understood the lion. But they didn't understand burden. And they didn't understand sacrifice. And they didn't know how to break down the things of God. I want somebody to lift your hands in this building right now. Right where you are. I want you to stand with me in this house. This, this Friday morning of no limits. I want you just to lift your hands right now. I want you to meditate upon some things. I want you to give thyself wholly to them. It's time to put feet to this gospel. It's time to put into action the things of God. It's time to pull this plow. It's time to pray like we've never prayed. It's time to evangelize like we've never evangelized. It's time to do something, Saul. Come on, somebody, lift your voice. Right where you are, I want you to lift your voice in this house. I want you to let the Holy Ghost talk to your heart. In the name of Jesus. There's some young men God is calling you to step into what God has ordained you to be. You're not supposed to backslide like your cousin did. You're not supposed to fall apart like your friend did. You're not supposed to throw in the towel and die before Ishbibinab. But when I look up into the heavens, I see, I see the heavenly blueprint. I can see the man, the woman that God has called me to be. That's the church God needs today. Thank you.
We need some people that learn how to pull the plow. We need some people that will bear the burden. What would happen if every single person in this room got a Bible study in this next year? If every person got a Bible study and won one soul to God, stop talking about it. Stop, stop having a vision of it. Stop reading about it and go do it. You'll find out that things open up. There's be, there'll be provision that opens up. You'll find out that God speaks to you in a way that he... My, my, my. I was talking to Brother Uzzle. Brother Uzzle here this morning. He said, we, we're out on outreach, and we had a bus. And one of our men, he, he just saw an Asian man walking down the side of the road. And, 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 and as he saw him, the Holy Ghost said, stop and invite him. Should I do that? I mean, there's a schedule to keep, but... But I, I just believe that there's a dominion that we're stepping into and God's going to do things. And if you'll do stuff, God will do stuff. He stopped. He said, hey, I want to invite you to church. And the guy got on the bus. And he came to church. The man got baptized and got filled with the Holy Ghost. He's connected to people back home in Asia. And, and, and they're teaching Bible studies over the Internet to people in Asia and, and they don't have the manpower to do it they don't have the resources to do it but there they are and they're doing it electronically see there's a revelation of that ox that knows how to pull that plow and knows how to sacrifice and knows how to go and do there's stuff that's going to open up that's going to blow our minds who cares what politicians do who cares what organizations do I want, I want somebody to get a revelation of the ox I want you to meditate upon these things I want you to give thyself wholly to them meditate upon them for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee let there be a revival of action at no limits this year. Let's lift our hands right now all over this building. I want, I want somebody just to step out into the aisle. I want you to step out into the aisle. I want you to make up in your mind, I'm going to become what God's called me to be. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to fall apart in my adversity. I'm not going to die. Revival in my city. An outpouring of the grace of God. I'm not going to die. I will not die sedentary. I will not have my children backslide due to inactivity. I will not become bitter because of what somebody did to me. There's a calling of God. And I'm harnessing the strength. And I'm harnessing the vision. And I'm harnessing the harness.